for that. That was arranged by our in-house John Harris. So mad props to him. That was a lot of fun, man. Hey. So my name is Esther, I am the Worship and Arts Director here in Northview, and it is my pleasure to just say Merry Christmas, welcome to Christmas Eve service. The uh, whole intent behind tonight is to set this time aside to just kind of become quiet in our spirits, to unite with God with us, Emmanuel, celebrate his gift as we worship him, adore him, join together in spirit. When Jesus came, he released upon us the Holy Spirit who is with us tonight, and it is through the Holy Spirit that we will join, unite, celebrate, worship, and just be with Emmanuel. Amen? So we invite you right where you are, sing out, celebrate, worship with us. This is about all of us together offering something beautiful to God as we celebrate, so sing out with us.
Celebrate, here we go.
Isaiah 9, 6. To us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace.
Boy, was that beautiful or what? Golly. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, did you catch yourself saying good, good morning at the door? I did, too. Good afternoon and a blessed and Merry Christmas to you and your family. Well, we have arrived at that moment where all the world pauses. The trees are decorated, the presents are wrapped, the food is ready, and loved ones have arrived. By the way, welcome back, gang. Those of you who come back, good to see you again. It's Christmas Eve, and the children and the adults are filled with a sense of joy and anticipation. And we've all gathered. We have gathered as God's loved one and gathered as God's children to come and worship the arrival of the Messiah. Isaiah put it so profoundly, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Well, we've looked at three names so far, right? We've looked at Wonderful Counselor, and we have looked at Everlasting Father, and we have looked at Mighty God. And tonight we're going to look at the last one. It's probably the one that sticks to Jesus the most. Okay, If you're talking about a sticky factor, this is one that uh, we identify him with. And that's this one, Prince of Peace. When you think of Jesus, that's what you think of. Prince of Peace. It's one of the most treasured titles associated with Jesus. Look again what Isaiah says here. He says, of the increase of his government and of peace. You know, those two words don't usually go together very well, government and peace, right? He's saying there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Tonight we'll look at the peace part. Sunday we'll look at the government part. Uh, by the way, we do have church on Sunday. You're welcome to come back and join us. I'll be here. Peace is a strange anachronym uh, tied to him, for his life was anything but peaceful. Right? If you just think through what you know of Jesus' life, uh, Simeon prophesied this when he met the baby in the temple. Remember, he came and he took the child and he said, and his father and mother marveled at what was being said about this child. <clears throat> and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. A sign to be opposed and a sword piercing a heart are not exactly symbols of peace. Right? Opposition would be something that he would often face in his lifetime. Uh, hostility and anger were close at hand. Violence was threatened a number of times, just to cherry-pick a few, uh, threatening to throw him off the edge of the cliff in his hometown, threatening him with stoning, casting him out of the synagogue. And I'm sure they did that with, Sir, would you please leave? I'm sure that was done that way. And last but not least, crucifying him on a cross. 
All of these are violent images. Yes, he would be known, as Isaiah said, <coughs> excuse me, as the Prince of Peace. No one has ever had such command of presence about them like Jesus did. It's said of great people, be they uh, government leaders, be they athletes or scholars, they, they tip the room like everything goes towards them. Jesus didn't just tip a room. He didn't just tip a country. He tipped a planet. It's universally recognized that there was, is something extraordinarily different and profound about Jesus. He was at peace with himself. He was at peace with his mission. And he could calm storms. Mark tells the story, right? A great windstorm arose and the waters were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling, but he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Three words. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. And he said to them, Why were you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and sea obey him? We sing that song, right? Uh, I put the chorus up here. Um, <clears throat> so let it go, my soul, and trust in him. Right? The waves and wind still know his name. So let it go, my soul, and trust in him. The waves and wind still know his name. I'll let Esther sing it. It's a lot better. But the skeptic would look around and say, well, hogwash. Hogwash. What possible peace has he brought to this world? And in some circles, he would even be accused of making things worse. Even we, at times, those who love him, feel overwhelmed with all that's going on and wonder, where is God's peace? There's an old hymn written by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. I like that for a middle name, Wadsworth. <clears throat> but it captures the tension of this, and it reads like this. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. The music sweet, the tone repeat. There's peace on earth, goodwill to men. And I thought as day had come, the belfries of all Christendom. Hey, kids, I want to tell you something. You don't know what a belfry is, all right? I'm going to explain it to you. Belfries were the church steeples. And in, in America, when I was a kid, all the church's bells rang out. And you know what that was? It was a call to come to church. It was a call to come. The church is ready to start. Here's the bells ringing. Time to go. Get to church. The belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth's goodwill to men. But then, <clears throat> here comes the reality check, the tension point that he and we all feel. And he says this, And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Sounds like that was written today, doesn't it? That was actually written in 1863, over 150 years ago. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow was in depression. The source of his depression, the Civil War. The devastation and trauma of that event had shaken the whole country. And it looked like it might never end. What was quickly thought to be a one or two skirmish deal suddenly turned into a, a long, traumatic event. 
Longville, again, was in depression over it. But he didn't stay there. And the next stanza shows us the direction his thinking took. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. For Christ is here, his spirit near, brings peace on earth, goodwill to men. And the question would be, well, how or where? Right? And the next stanza gives us the answer of where this peace can be found and where it's located. When men repent and turn from sin, the Prince of Peace then enters in. And grace imparts within their hearts his peace on earth, goodwill to men. The realization that dawned on Longfellow was significant, and not only for him, but for us as well, as we are uh, Christmas 2021, rapidly rolling into 2022. Does that sound weird to anybody else but me? Wow. He realized that the peace he was seeking from Christ was not the peace of the battlefield, but rather the peace within his own hearts and the hearts of others. Paul says in Ephesians that God through Jesus had broken down the barrier, and this is a fascinating phrase, the dividing wall of hostility. Where does that exist? Well, it exists primarily in our hearts. Everything else acts out of that. And Paul says this, that if you ask a man and confess that he is Lord, and with your mouth confess that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, but that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And when you do that, the Bible promises that you will experience peace. Now, there is an authority piece there, right? We covered that under Mighty God. There's an authority piece there. You have to let him come in as ruler. But you will experience peace. Why? Because the war is over. And I could tell you with crystal clear uh, testimony that my life was traumatized till I came to know Christ. Now, when I came to know Christ, it was traumatized in other ways, but never the same. Never the same. The guy that I don't want to tell the stories about anymore is now the pastor standing in front of you. What happened? He brought peace. He brought peace into my heart. And you will experience peace. The war is over. You and God have reconciled. Jesus needed to calm a storm. Not the obvious one on the outside. Not the civil war. Not the pandemic. Not those things. He needed to calm the other war. The one on the inside. Jesus identified this when he said, he was being asked by the Pharisees, how can we tell when the kingdom of God is coming? And, they answered, and he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there, behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Uh, ASV version says, within you. Right? Jesus said this in Matthew 23, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside may be clean also. Uh, we as humans have a, tremendous tendency to want to clean the outside up so that other people look at it and go, nice person, good person, nice people. And Jesus is way too smart for that. He looks in the heart and says, do you think we could work on that a little bit? Right? 
Jesus' <coughs> emphasis on the inside versus the outside is a telling commentary. We want Jesus to calm the storms of our life so that we can have peace. Jesus wants his peace in our hearts so, so, so no matter what storms we face on the outside, we will have his peace on the inside. Now consider Jesus' words in this context of the inside versus the outside when he says in John 14, and he says this, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. What is this speaking to? It's speaking to our hearts. Let not your hearts be troubled. There are so many encouragements in Scripture towards us. I pulled just a few. Psalm 46.1, God is ref a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Isaiah 26, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. And all of these speak to an inner peace and of course, this reminds us of the famous verse in Romans 15 that says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Notice that's an internal filling. Fill you with joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Why can we be the most hopeful people on the planet? Because we've got the King of Kings in our heart. We have his peace and therefore we have hope. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow finishes his hymn this way. In the midst of all the threats and dangers that existed uh, in his own time, he writes, oh, two pages here. O souls amid earth's busy strife, the word of God is light and life. Oh, hear his voice, make him your choice. Hail peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then happy singing on your way, your world will change from night to day. Your heart will feel the message real of peace on earth, goodwill to men. If God can bring peace to the hearts during the Civil War, then God can bring peace to our hearts during a pandemic. We are to let the, prince of, the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. So let's finish then with this famous benediction, and I think you'll see it in a little different light. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And if you do that, what will happen? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I thought this was not just an appropriate title. I thought this was incredibly appropriate timing for this message. As we came through the names, and this one landed on Christmas Eve, it was incredible to me that it worked out that way. And I just want to say tonight, may the Prince of Peace guard your hearts and your minds through Christmas and beyond. Let's pray. Father, we know we're supposed to cast all our anxiety, but the truth is we hold a lot. We hold a lot, and we're very anxious about a lot of things. And that doesn't talk so much about your failure to connect with us as our failure to trust you. Lord, as we're sitting here tonight, 
and we think about peace. We have had a marvelous ensemble roll out, and we have been just had our socks blessed off. I hope that's the same for you. But as we do that, may your peace be with us on a deeper level, Father. May we let you into the inner core of our heart. May we trust you. May we cast all our anxiety on you because you care for us. And may we celebrate Christmas in that vein. We give that to you in your name. Amen. celebrated the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, and tonight, the prince of peace. And as we close this service by singing the traditional familiar words of Silent Night, get your candles ready if you don't have them already, I would invite you to think of the lyrics not as the ironic, uh, it was not actually a silent night on this human world, right? But what I like to think about is at that moment, when the King of Kings took his very first breath upon this earth, that all of heaven stood perfectly still, perfectly silent. The Savior of the world had been born. So just a little bit of housekeeping. I would just ask you to be very cognizant of the wax. If you are holding a lit candle, please do not tip it sideways. As we sing Silent Night, I invite you to stand as you are able quietness within our hearts with reverence and honor towards Christ, Emmanuel, Jesus. Hopefully there is a renewed wonder as we celebrate and rejoice in truth that Jesus 
came from the highest of highs to bring hope to the lowest of lows. And may his radiant beams from his holy face shine in, around, and through us this Christmas. Freeze this moment, freeze this hour together, and take it home with you, and may the peace of Christ 
be in your family celebrations as you go home to be together. Let's pray. Father in heaven, may your manifest presence be among us, gathered and scattered. We seek you for that. May your peace be among us, Lord, and we give that to you with great hope. Ask this in your name. Amen. Everybody, Merry Christmas.